Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. I am your host, Al the Brewer, and I am so glad you are listening today. This podcast is for anyone that wants to learn more about craft beer and the culture that surrounds it. Whether you're brand new to the scene or a vet of craft beer, I hope you find something to take away from this podcast. So, pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy. Cheers. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. Welcome to season two. Oh, I'm so excited. How are you doing out there at Podcast Lab? Oh, it feels good to be back behind the mic. This is your host, Al the Brewer, and it has been way too long. Oh, my goodness. And I am so excited to bring you season two. Oh, oh. okay. So first off, got to say this. Thank you for holding out. Um, I hope you liked that little in-between episode with um, Hop of the Month. That was so fun to do. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go check the uh, episode or so previous to this one. Um, and, oh gosh, and there's the ums. I'm trying harder not to. I really am, but I don't I don't think it's going to happen, especially right now. Nope, I'm cool. Anyways, how are you doing? It's so good to have you back. Today, episode one, I... so. Let me go back a little bit here. Part of the reason why I I started podcasting, uh, especially about beer and all this other fun jazz, hold on, was because I saw so many other people podcasting about beer and other such things. And one of those uh, one of those podcasts that I saw and went, oh, that seems like a lot of fun, was this one, the Grapes and Grain podcast. And I have them on my podcast and that is episode one and oh i'm so excited about bringing this uh this episode to you because it was so much fun to do with them oh it was just a blast and a half teeny and laura were so much fun and i'm so excited for them to listen to the intro because i hope they real hope they get to know like I hope they can know how much fun I had in that interview. I mean, I know I was super thrilled at the time, but still looking back, thinking back about it, I'm just like, oh, that was so much fun. Anyways, so that is what's going to be coming to you in just a minute or two. Uh, Other than that, really, um, I'm just so excited about this season. We're going to have some fun. I've got some fun interviews set up. I've did a little more of my pious pint. Um, I've got a couple of my own thoughts to hit up, and then I talked to some really fun people uh, that I, th- I think you're just going to enjoy the conversation. So, anyways, I got to stop talking. I got to get to this interview because it was so much fun. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. I'm so looking forward to season two. Please hit me up on the Instagram, the Twitters, the Facebook, wherever you know where it's at. If you don't know, I know nothing about beer.com, or you could find me at everything at uh, Al the Brewer, A L T H E B R E W E R, one word on all your favorite social media platforms of your choice Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, blah, 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 blah. I'm talking too much. All right. So excited. Everybody, have a good rest of the day, night, morning, whatever this may find you. And yeah, cheers. Okay. Before I forget, so my sister who I love dearly, and my brother-in-law, again, who I love dearly, uh, they, my, 
I don't know how much my sister listens to the podcast. I know that my brother-in-law listens to the podcast. So brother-in-law, here we go. And my sister, because I'm pretty sure she's going to listen at least this little part right here. They created a drinking game out of this podcast. And I had no idea about this, but then listening back to this uh, episode with the grapes and grain gals, I'm I'm totally guilty of this. So if you want a fun drinking game, get ready. I did not realize I said, thank you so very much, or I appreciate you so very much. So if you want a fun drinking game, and I mean, you, you just want to... If you want to have a good good night after one of these, uh, go to sleep pretty well after one of these podcast episodes. Do not do this while driving, by the way. Not condoning that at all. Um, take a sip. After every time I say thank you so very much, or I appreciate you so very much, or just even very much. Apparently, I say that a lot. All right. I just had to stop myself and say thank you very much for listening. Oh, okay. There's your first sip. All right. Love you guys. Everyone, have a good day. Cheers. Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I am so excited right now because, uh, okay, I've got to be honest, I'm fanboying a little about fanboying a little bit. This is why I'm nervous. I've got uh, <laughs> Teeny and Laura. Laura's on the phone. Teeny is here at my house. And uh, I've got the Grapes and Grain podcast on my podcast. And I'm so excited about this. Thank you, too. Yeah, thank you for having us. Oh, this is so much, so much fun. Yay. I first heard you <laughs> two on Victor's podcast, mm. or he was on your podcast. I don't know how that all worked out, but I remember I heard. Yeah, he and I had beers for his Dallas Beer Talk, right? Yes. Yes. He okay. and I had beers for that. Okay, so it was you. Okay. And uh, I was like, oh, and then I discovered the podcast and I have been listening since. And if anybody does not know this podcast, it is a fun one. And uh, why don't you two? You two would do a much better job of explaining it. Okay, sure. So Grapes and Grain, we just had our one year anniversary. We are sort of an education podcast with like a little twist of comedy, if you will, a little dash. A little dash. Um, But we basically talk about beer and wine Mm -hmm. and how they're the same and how they're different. And Laura, if you want to tell a little bit about how we came up with that concept. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, we are both studying for, uh, Tini studying for her BJCT, uh, sister and certification through beer. And I am studying for my sommelier certification through wine. And we were both learning so much and not remembering everything we were learning mm-hmm. and wanting more resources for gotcha. beginners. Um, so we thought, why don't we just, you know, take everything we're learning and repurpose it so someone else can benefit from it as well. And we created the podcast. That's so cool. Um, so we love to cover history, regions, culture, mm-hmm. uh, processes. Trends. Um, we jumped on the, the White Claw hard seltzer trend so this did. summer. <laughs> we, we had to. We had so no. many questions. And so it's, it's funny about that because I was telling my wife about white, the, the episode you two did on White Claw. And then we were at a QT. I was grabbing a beer and she's like, what about White Claw that you told me about? And so then she ended up getting a White Claw, and she's like, okay, I understand this now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're sort of irresistible. But drink Wild Basin. It tastes better. That's what we discovered in our, yes, in our super official taste I, test. And see, I haven't had that one yet. It comes in way better flavors. Okay. All right. Anyway. 
Gotcha. That's a weird way to start a craft beer podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I mean, and this, Drink pod- <laughs> well, and this podcast really, I mean, yes, it is, uh, it is the, I know nothing about beer and I want to talk about beer, but I thought it would be such a great, um, you two would be such a great resource for this episode or for the podcast. Um, because, um, and I want to get into this a little later, but each of you having your own little specialties, um, I, I, well, yes, this is a beer podcast. I got into beer by being a house guitarist at a wine bar. Mm. And so, cool. yes. And so when you're 23 and a guy comes up to you at a wine bar and goes, hey, if you keep playing guitar, I'll give you free beer. Um, that's not a hard question for a 23-year-old to answer. And for so sure. he let me drink whatever beer I wanted to at the wine bar, which meant I also got to know wine. And then my sister started working there. So then we were just taking home all the bottles. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And so... Um, my history with beer is very much tied to my own history of wine, which is a great question because I want to know what are your own personal histories with beer and wine? Sure. Definitely. Do you want to go first, Katie? Sure. Um, so I am a journalist by trade Mm -hmm. and when I got my first, uh, not my first job, but in 2012, I started working for a hyper local entertainment publication, uh, that was owned by the Dallas morning news. And so I started writing about music was really my first love of coverage. But as I started Mm -hmm. writing more stories, um, there was my rise there coincided with the rise of the Dallas craft beer market. And so I sort of raised my hand and I was like, Hey, I think this is important. And so they let me start covering beer and that was sort of, I became the de facto uh, beer reporter at the Dallas morning news. And yeah, actually, yeah, still still like the first dedicated beer reporter in the newspaper's history. And so, um, as I wrote more and more about beer, I just, I felt like my vocabulary was very limited. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I felt I felt like I was using the same adjectives over and over again to describe beer. And so that's There's what, only so many times you can say hoppy. Yeah, hoppy, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, or sour or just like malty, like yeah, yeah. these really vague sort yeah. of terms. So that's when I started down the path to education. Mm-hmm. I decided to register uh, for classes, a Cicerone prep class, which I did last mm-hmm. February. And then um, a beer judging certification class that I'm currently enrolled in. Gotcha. So I've been studying. I took the classes this year, but I've been studying for about two and so that's sort of how we ended up here okay very cool and how about you laura yeah well um teeny and i met in college and i drank a lot of beer together i love beer um but beer does not love me back unfortunately about 10 years ago my doctor um told me i needed to stop drinking it so um through that journey of Mm -hmm. kind of figuring out what works with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I started drinking Prosecco, champagne, any sparkling wine I could get my hands on because it gotcha. reminded me of a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that, it really just opened up my love of everything wine. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to work in advertising out of college and uh, was pretty miserable there. Um, and then I decided to leave advertising mm-hmm. and really had to search what made me happy what made me happy was yoga and wine. So I got my yoga teacher certification okay. and uh, my, I'm working on my second level sommelier certification. Wow. And um, my travels through Australia and New Zealand kind of opened up an opportunity for me to work um, vintage uh, last spring, uh, 2019 in the Southern Hemisphere. And now I am working vintage in Oregon and I plan on doing that the next couple of years 
just bouncing back and forth between the southern and northern hemispheres and learning as much as I can. Wow. Oh, and I'm also getting an associate's degree, a two-year degree in viticulture and enology, just like on the side. I mean, just on the side, you know. Because she literally does it all. Yeah. 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 Well, you're just hopping hemispheres. I mean, (laughs) how can you not do it all when you're just hopping hemispheres? You're just going for the endless summer, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, the last year I've been in an endless winter. I've been, <laughs> I got it backwards. But oh, yeah, so that's oh, that's not as fun. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. Okay, because that is something. That was something. Uh, one of the questions I just wanted to know, because I know I've listened to your podcast a bit, but and I'm sure I've heard bits and pieces of that. But I was like, okay, that's that's something I've been wanting to to hear. Okay, so BJCP. Yeah. So, uh, real quick. So, Tina, you you've got your uh, certified beer server. Yes. And then, and so, um, for anybody that doesn't know, the Cicerone program has four different levels and the Cicerone program is to the same thing as what the sommelier program is to mm-hmm. wine. So uh, Cicerone is to mm-hmm. beer. I am number of certified beer servers, 1062, I think. <laughs> okay. So you got it back uh, in the day. Way back in the day. Yeah. I think I got that when I was like first starting to get into craft beer and I took, the online Neato. test and it was just like okay i'm just gonna give this a shot and i passed and i was like great and then <laughs> yes. um it was like okay cool i got my nice little pin i've got this little thing and uh i have not gone for my cicerone um level one because i'm not a cicerone i'm a, you know certified beer server yeah. um but um i the thing that has held me back has been the tasting portion mm. because it is such mm. an intense process to train your palate to taste blind it totally is yes yeah. And Laura, you know this very well because as Mm -hmm. a sommelier level one training to be a level two, correct? Yeah. Okay. Sommelier level two. Now the level one, you have to blind taste what? Three wines? Uh, no, level one, you do not have to blind taste. Level oh, okay. two, you do have to blind taste. And ah. I have had a three year window and I am really pushing it to the back end of that window for the same reason. Not only does it take time and, um, you know, Mm-hmm. repetition to train your palate but mm-hmm. it's also pretty um you need to be somewhat affluent to buy all these mm-hmm. things to like yeah. taste it's very um it's an, a time and cost consumptive hobby <laughs> yeah and it, that's one of the things that i really loved about both of the classes i'm in actually right mm-hmm. now is that i took a uh, I, you know, I paid to be in these classes. The first one, um, is a Cicerone prep class unaffiliated with the actual program, yeah. but there's a local Cicerone about, yeah. named Robert Scroggs and he did all of the purchasing and we did side by side taste tests every week for 17 weeks in a row. Wow. And the same thing wow. with the BJCP class that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone in DFW is looking to do it, James Lalonde is the go-to okay. person. Same thing. You pay the entry fee. They do all of the shopping and every single one involves mm. a taste test because that was my thing is like. I can commit to showing up one place every single week. I cannot commit to making sure that I buy all the right beer on the weekend. So it's like having a curator of the selection and it has been so helpful and so beneficial. I can't recommend it highly enough. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, One of the movies that um, I've I've mentioned on the podcast before, but one of the movies I love uh, that kind of touches on all this is one called Somm, S-O-M-M. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. My wife and I watched it and we were... Uh, first, just taken aback at the amount of skill that it took to do blind tasting, mm-hmm. um, and especially <laughs> at that level. And for people who have not seen Psalm, it is a 
documentary about these people trying to take the level four master sommelier class. And the hardest part of this class is you have six wines and you have 30 minutes to tell, uh, like tasting notes, coloring, um, what is it? Vineyard, like left or right bank of the river. Oh my God. Um, it is a uh, year and then oh, producer. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's insane. That is wild. Yeah. yeah. And you have like 30 minutes to do six wines. And so, I mean, I would, I would, I mean, I've done blind tasting before and it is so challenging. It's so much fun when you get to do it for fun. It is <laughs> really fun. And it's amazingly fun doing it with someone who's really good at it. Oh, I'm sure. Um, oh, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just mind blowing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so the BJCP, mm-hmm. you're, that is the beer judging certification program. Mm-hmm. And what is, uh, what's the difference between that and the and the Cicerone program? This is a great question. Um, now that I've like dipped my toe into both, mm-hmm. I would describe BJCP <laughs> as like the dictionary of beer. Yes. Uh, it defines every style. Mm-hmm. It tells you the exemplary styles and breweries that make them, mm-hmm. what that beer should be, mm-hmm. according to the textbook. The Cicerone is more like the encyclopedia of beer. So knowing the history of that style, yes. where it comes from, what are the technological advances that made it possible? Mm-hmm. What other styles did it spawn mm-hmm. because of that revolution? So it's really sort of... Yeah, that's how I compare them now is the dictionary and the encyclopedia. Yeah. Uh, if, if you know what the, the, the term, not not you, but I'm just giving the audience, uh, like Solera, what the term Solera means. VJCP mm, mm-hmm. is define Solera. Cicerone is tell me about why the Solera program, why, why a Solera program is so good to have. Right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Exactly. More like open-ended. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to. There's like uh, I think for the level. Yeah, and I think yes. the level one. There's like a three-page report or something like that. Three pages of handwriting. <laughs> essay questions. Essay yeah, questions, I think yeah. It, I think you get three essay questions, and okay. each of them you have a page to fill it out. Yes. So I mean, the more information, the better, obviously. I'm pretty but. sure that they're not looking for like a paragraph. Like it'd be good to yeah, have at the brewery. Yeah, they're not gonna choose like if yeah. they're gonna say tell me about a style. It's not gonna be a new American style that has no. very little history. It's gonna be something that you know came from the roots of Belgium or Germany yeah. or the Czech Republic. The analogers go. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that is such a, man, that is such an awesome, well-rounded aspect of looking at beer. Mm-hmm. And that the sommelier program as well, it has that mm-hmm. too. But Because the sommelier program covers so much in depth, correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's very nitty-gritty. And that's honestly why um, some of those master songs are able to do that, just because um, you get down into the nuances of what... Uh, kind of like an equation, like what different soils, temperature, mm-hmm. uh, processes do to flavor, color, yeah, texture, and then you just, uh, like a Rubik's Cube, how they line up, and mm. if, you know, you have a certain combination of things, you know, yep, it's this producer in this part of the world, and um, yeah, yeah, so in depth. Yeah. I'll never forget the first time she brought the wine Bible over to my house. Oh, that's big. I was like, "Are you supposed to read that from front to back?" And she's like, "Ideally, yes." Then I would that's pass. One of the smaller books. Oh that's my one god. Of the <laughs> I have yeah. the, um, the Oxford Companion to beer, and it runs mm. at about 895 pages. Yes. I tried. I started at A, got through A, and couldn't even get to 
like beer in the letter B. Yeah. It's so dense. It is. <laughs> that to me is more of a reference point. So it's like if you're reading about something elsewhere that you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I could use more information about that. Yes. Um, look it up in the Oxford Companion. Yes. No. And that is the yeah. best place to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So for yeah. example, we have uh, an episode about Oktoberfest coming out because I'm headed oh. to Germany in just a couple weeks. What? Yeah. Um, uh, ich liebe Deutschland, <laughs> uh, for one. <laughs> I lived there for like nine months as a university student. So I oh, have amazing. a huge part of my heart is in Germany and in Heidelberg. Uh, so. Oh, my uh, gosh. Heidelberg is, so I have family there. You have ha- What? Not in Heidelberg. It's like an hour and a half south of okay. Heidelberg. Gotcha. Uh, in a place called Karlsruhe. But that is so crazy. I, I'll need all of your recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> I love, oh, I love Germany. I love yeah. Heidelberg. But oh. it was one of those things where I like researched Oktoberfest on the internet mm-hmm. and I went to the official website, but then I was like, all right, I'm going to go to my Oxford Companion beer and look up what the encyclopedic yes. definition is. And then, you know, because you can't always trust everything you find on the no, internet. I mean, so. sometimes, sometimes people write with a bias and there's, there's also these other fun, you know, trolly things that happen out there. <laughs> yes. Um, I, 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 the when i was a college student so i went to a private christian college that i still love pepperdine university oh my god that was my number one pick ah oh. oh, we have a lot of in common we do. this is so odd this is so much fun <laughs> and so um and uh i had two types of friends those that got wasted or those that had no interest in alcohol oh, okay. and so Good. for me i didn't really want to get wasted but i had interest but no one to really like uh to like just have a beer with and so in, when I was in Europe, I really didn't drink much. Mm. Even though I could, it wasn't, it was just, it was either I was with people that were like, you know, no, I'm not going to drink. No, I'm not going to drink. No, no, the whole table's not going to drink. Oh, all right, I guess I'm not going to drink. Or everybody getting sloshed. And then I'm like, no, I just don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was actually in Germany for 9-11. And oh, we had wow. a very precautious program director who said, I think his exact words were like, unless you want to go home in a body bag, do not go to Oktoberfest. Oh my God. Oh yeah. He, what a bummer. I know. (laughs) And so we did not go to October. I so wanted to go though. So there's, that's on my list. Oh, Oh, believe me. Oh, we were, no one was thrilled with that. Yeah. I know, but I'm honestly, I probably would have done the same thing in that situation too. And it was, I mean, I ed- I went to Munich later on, but I actually would rather go to the Oktoberfest that happened around Munich mm-hmm. um, and the smaller towns there and about. Um, sure. Because for one, less drunk tourists. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, granted, <laughs> drunk tourists are kind of fun to watch for the first 10 minutes, but then like one throws up next to you, you're just like, no, I, no not, that's not fun. <laughs> um, but then also you get to see a little more of like, what the uh, the community feel of Oktoberfest is. Sure, and my family, we're actually going from where my family lives um, in Karlsruhe. Uh-huh. Um, we're taking the train into Munich to go to Oktoberfest, and you know, my uncle was like, oh, she would stay for our Oktoberfest. And, oh. But I have a, a girlfriend, a sorority sister, um, who is married to a Bavarian, and they go every year. So we're like going with them. Okay. We're going to know the lay of the land. We're going to have a professional tour guide, basically. Good. Good, because when I took well, the you te- and me will have to go back. We'll go back to your families. Tell your uncle I'm. Yeah. Give me two years. Well, because I'm really disappointed. <laughs> I'm missing a, a hop harvest season by literally a week. So oh. I was trying to figure out how to get to Hollertau so that I could mm-hmm. see some hop vines and like uh, all luscious. And I'm literally getting there a week late. Uh, so we have to go back, Laura. But Laura, you're in Let's Oregon. Do uh, don't they have hop farms around there? 
They do. They do. Unfortunately, I've been working nonstop since I've arrived. <laughs> I mean, come on. Don't you get a break in the wine world? <laughs> I, today was my day off, and I was doing oh, stuff like this. Oh, so. thank you. Thank you for spending this time day off with me. I'm so I feel so privileged. Um, I'm just so happy. No, there are there's a lot of things I'd like to do up here. I want to do the hop farm. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of gluten free breweries, a ton of wineries. I Mm. want to pick cherries, pick apples. I want to, you know, yeah, yeah. It's just like super harvest season for everything up there right now. It is so crazy. So this is the first wine region I've been in where. Um, there are just like fields across the street from the vineyards that are like hazelnut orchards or like, you know, apple trees, um, like everything grows up here. Yeah. That's so fantastic and magical sounding. I Mm -hmm. see this is making me miss California. Yeah. That's where I'm originally Uh, from. Okay. And so, Uh. oh yeah. And so we would, we would go, um, so this is my wife and I first married, no kids a magical time and we would go <laughs> wine taste well i was working at a place called wade's wines that uh has 103 beers on tap Wade's wine yes Wade's wine yes party wine excellent it, it was like cheers for me it was such a good spot yeah. i love that place um but yeah 103 beers on tap and then 32 wines on tap and then it had wow. uh, a bottle shop with like hundreds of bottles of bourbon another thousand tequila 2200 oh bottles of wine oh my God, that sounds like 900 playground. bottles of beer oh it was alcoholics awesome. toys rs oh it was so much fun and so <laughs> working there and literally coming home with like i remember we had like a duck horn night um uh oh. wine wine night and i'm not like there's several big like cult brands of wines that i i've tried and i'm like i don't i mean i know they're good but I've never gone yeah. like, man. So I think I came home with like $300 worth of duck horn one night. No, it was wow. Camus. That's what it was. It was Camus. I came home with like yep. 300 bottles worth of Camus that had been opened and it was a Sunday night. So they can't like use them again. Uh-huh. And it was like, yep. all right, babe, we got 300 bucks of wine. Let's have fun. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. yeah. That, was, that is yeah. fun. I know exactly what you mean about those wineries, though. You hear mm-hmm. them built up. It's kind of like. Um, that's the way that movie Donnie Darko was for me. I like, oh, I heard about it for years and years. Like, oh, it's like transcendent. It'll like change your life. And it just didn't like live up to it. So I feel like a lot of those big label wines do that. <laughs> I will, I will forgive you for Donnie Darko. <laughs> yeah, it's a timepiece. Like, yeah, yeah. See, it reminds me of a certain like, version of myself, which I'm not yeah. sure that I'm like. <laughs> you know, that person anymore. <laughs> I, I think, well, I saw that, like, thing, I think it was like a, a junior in college and it was just like, that is like the most junior in college movie, like that and like Fight Club for guys. Like, yeah. That, oh my God. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are, those yeah. are movies that like, I remember watching with my buddies and my mind just being blown and going, what did I just watch? <laughs> you know, I need to talk about life and existence now. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, but that was we would also go wine tasting in uh, the pa- in um, the Los Olivos region, and that's mm, where we yeah, still. Yeah, I've been through there. Really? I've not been to a lot of places in California, but I've been through there. Oh, I love that area. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was driving through looking at graduate schools, mm-hmm. and um, we sold some wines from Stoltman, I believe. Yes. Which is from the area, mm-hmm. and uh, I stopped in, and um, it was a delightful little spot. It is a delightful little spot. I like Stoltman. We have the only winery that we found that we 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 love and that ships to Texas is Sarlos and Sons. And so we've ah. kept that membership since moving here. <laughs> and Kelly has yeah. had, we've had, you know, she's had two babies. 
which means she's had about 18, almost two years where she couldn't really drink. So we have like a reserve. Please, you have a cellar. Yes. And it's so much fun to have that cellar now that she could drink. Yeah, that's yes. exciting. Yeah. We, that's how we uh, got a cellar. We joined a wine club and then um, we didn't have babies. We just left the country. Um, <laughs> we flooded the country and then uh, the wines kept coming. So yep. now we have the cellar. And now Pretty you have exciting. A cellar. I feel really adultish. Well, it's it's the first, it was the first, um, one of the first things we both were like, okay, what are we, you know, as a couple, we were like, all right, do we keep this? Because it was gifted to us for like the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And then it was, well, now it's on your own. We're like, okay, this would mean we're like, we're both paying for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think we can do yeah. this. Okay, and we weren't we weren't married at the time. I think we were about to get engaged, and so it was like, okay, I think yeah. we can do this. Okay, we're good. We're good. Yeah, and it was like a big couple moment. To uh-huh. like, like to me, that financial yeah, decision. Yeah, that and like like all going on the same phone bill. Like once you're on oh. the same phone bill, that's it. Like you are married. Your like, family. Your family. I'm, I'm literally still on my dad's phone bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm still on that family plan. You still got the family still plan. Still milking it. Milking oh it hard. my goodness. Nope. I know. Wow. I was feeling really mature about my cellar. Wait, enough. <laughs> see, that's what. See, as soon as my little girls turn 18, nope. You got to get your own cell phone plan. That's how you're gonna grow up. You want to talk on the it's phone? It's gonna be more expensive for all of you. It's a shame on you. That'll be more expensive for you. Oh too. no, no, no. I've got my in-laws on it, so she's just an add-on at this point in time. So no, no. We're, oh, we're, we've God. got the the family plan going. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's the only way to do it. Um. So. Something that I I love both about beer and wine is that there are communities that kind of surround each and that are I feel a little unique. Um, I think having so a uh, little history on myself. I my my wife's family is from Texas or has been okay. living in Texas for as long as my as my wife and I have been dating and or married. Okay. So I used to come out to here to visit my then girlfriend's mom, now mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was way back when, when the only breweries that were open were Deep Ellum. Um, what is the one in, in um, north of Allen? It's like near... Franconia. Franconia. And I think RAR were the mm-hmm. only three open. And then... I'd visit every couple of, you know, every year or so. And then I'd see one or two more open up and then having moved here, like exploded. Sure. And so I've noticed this big, huge explosion, not only beer, but then the beer community itself has grown from where I knew like three guys and it seemed like they knew everybody to now I'm like in several beer groups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to know, especially from you two is, what do you think, like, and I, I guess this also for you, Laura, um, I don't really know the wine scene in DFW. Does DFW have a wine mm. scene? Yeah, totally. So okay. um, actually there are um, a few different AVAs or American Viticultural Areas in mm-hmm. Texas. I think uh, eight, if I'm not like totally like lasting in my memory right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and two to three of them are pretty popular and pretty big producers. Um, mm-hmm. However... Um, around DSW, there are people growing grapes, uh, like in grapevines, um, in the surrounding areas. And then there are also areas around Dallas where local farmers are growing grapes or vineyards that are not necessarily Vitis vinifera, like so your stereotypical wine grapes. They might be more native um, varietals. Hmm. 
Um, but one thing I do think that DFW is lacking, but some other cities are really like doing cool stuff with is urban wineries. So huh. while there may not be grapes growing immediately around the Dallas area, there mm-hmm. could be winery facilities uh, in Bethlehem and Bishop Arts and, you know, some of these cool little hip spots where they just mm-hmm. ship uh, fresh fruit in or juice in and gotcha. um, create the wine there. I was um, in Portland earlier today, mm-hmm. um, and I met a gentleman working at a cidery. Okay. And he said this is his ninth vintage, and it's his first one not at an urban winery. Like, he's actually going out to the vineyard. Hmm. Um, wow. And that just, I thought, was really crazy. And huh. um, I know there was a winery looking around Dallas, maybe potentially to do an urban winery, but they um, didn't go through with that. So I would, I hope for Dallas, um, we'll see more of that in the future. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I think because I focus so much on beer here in the DFW area, I've kind of let go of me trying to figure out more of the wine scene here. Um, I mean, mm. we have a couple places. Um, we're much closer to, to Fort Worth, mm-hmm. and there's uh, the Wine Haas, which we love. If you ever get a chance to go there, I haven't cool. even heard of it. That sounds exciting. It is. It's our favorite spot because, um, and and let, I'll put it this way: it's not that I know a lot of wines. It's that I served a lot of the same wines at Wade's. Okay. And I recognize Ralph's and Kroger are the same. One of the two same things. Ralph's is the Kroger in California. Mm-hmm. So I knew all the wines in Ralph's because when I was really poor, it would be, okay, I can afford a $12 bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. I will try that. Mm-hmm. And I see the same brands here in Kroger. And mm-hmm. I've been to several wine tasting rooms where I've been like, wait a minute. I've seen that at Kroger. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I've got a wine room. I'm not going to try a Kroger wine. Yeah. Something I can buy <laughs> off the shelf. Like I want to see things that I don't recognize. I want to see, uh, especially from places that I, I um, have not uh, sampled much from. And so Wine Haas has, I think, the best variety and depth, I'll say, of a wine portfolio that I've seen in the DF, in the, the Fort Worth area for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. One thing. So we had, uh, we did an episode last season. uh, We featured a local home brewer and a local winemaker. And one thing that really stuck with me about the difference between home making booze and beer and wine is that the winemaker we interviewed, she said that there aren't really homebrew clubs for winemakers. Yeah. Uh, There aren't local competitions for home winemakers. So I feel like maybe. Well, there there are, but they're not. Maybe not even in the Dallas area. Like the up in Denison, where I'm doing the associates, there's like one a year. But yeah, I guess you're right. It's pretty rural and like one. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's like the Dallas beer scene, I feel like sometimes thrives on homebrew clubs, and there are so many. Um, so I think maybe there's like a little bit of community that that's like an opportunity for community in the Dallas area. I would, yeah. See, I would love oh, to see yeah. that if there was during the, cause I know the Dallas observers brew fest happened, mm-hmm. uh, this past, I think it was this past weekend or so. Um, I would have loved to seen that brew fest include wine makers in there as well, because mm-hmm. I bet there's a lot of beer guys that would love to go, Oh, you made this wine. 
I'm not a big wine guy, but I would love to sample that out. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And especially like you think about it, um, when Laura, at, like when Laura wants to come with our friends to breweries, mm-hmm. there's not necessarily an option for her. So anyone who wants yeah. to go to the beer fest, it's like, if you're not into beer, there's not a ton of option for no, you. And that's not. sort of like exclusive in a community that's supposed to be really inclusive. Well, I think it is exclusive. I just want to hang out with everyone. <laughs> like, I just want to hang out even though I can't have a beer. You're like I love going to beer yeah. fest, but I can't drink the beer. Like what? I think I, I, I think that is just a, um, I think that's more of like just a nearsightedness in that because the title says beer fest, that, if they're not that that's the first place that the mind goes to, mm-hmm. you know, whereas if it was like a, a, a home brew festival mm-hmm. and you just expanded the word brew mm-hmm. out to mean like whatever you're making, we should just call it a fermentation festival. That's what it fest. really is. The fermentation, fermentation festival. <laughs> <laughs> Laura and I are going to, one of our million dollar business ideas is the Cabernet Cabaret. So yeah, that that's to come. Boozy parties. That's like Boozy phase parties. five of grapes and grain. Well, and something. You know that... what else about? Oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. oh no no, I, I was about to say um, just for you, Laura. Um, I've something I've been seeing are breweries starting to sell wine. Um, Turning Point, um, which is kind of my local haunt, has just started selling canned wine and cider in their uh, brewery mm-hmm. um, just because they were like, we want to open up more options to people. Right. Well, and they have the license yeah. that they can do that. Yeah. So yeah. not That's every a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. Not every brewery um, has the opportunity mm-hmm. to sell wine because of the license that they are under. So, yeah. Oh, but it would be Texas great. This is uh, subject to a lot of antiquated alcohol laws, um, circa it's... prohibition era. So true. So. Yes. Don't don't make me get on a soapbox. Oh oh, there's there's <laughs> so, I've got yeah, my no. soapbox as well <laughs> on all of this because yes. Well, because uh, especially coming from California. Okay, I'll put it this way: when we moved here from California, part of it was that my mother-in-law was going through her either second or third round of cancer. Mm. And we didn't know wow. how this one was going to end. It was a, mm. let's see how this goes. And we, we had the opportunity to move here. There were kind of some other things off to the side happening. So we ended up moving here, moved in with her. And, and um, it was a Sunday afternoon. And she's like, hey, Alan, can you make me a margarita? Now, granted, this woman has been going through chemo. She yeah. is... Like just sickly woman laying on a couch with like a remote doesn't want anything else but a margarita. Now coming from California, I have no idea that it's a Sunday. Like not that I don't know it's idea. I don't know there's rules around Sunday, and so I go to the local Kroger, CVS, and one other place, and I'm like Marty, I can't find any tequila. <laughs> because at California, and you, the fact that you went to the Kroger and the CVS in Texas is very telling. Yes. Yeah, and I was so mad. I was like, I just want this poor woman who has cancer to have a margarita. Texas, oh, can I you help too, me? Man, out I would have gone this? into a restaurant, snuck it out. Yeah, I've been like, hey, can I get a margarita to go? <laughs> I go look, here's a styrofoam <laughs> cup. Okay. Yeah. You can put you can put me on record saying I'd steal that margarita too. I believe me. <laughs> For if, a cancer-ridden woman like on her like. Yeah, you better believe it. Yeah, yeah. For for my mother-in-law that had cancer, I would sneak out a margarita. Yes. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Laura. I cut you off. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So what? Wait, was that a question? <laughs> no, about the soapbox and all of that of of laws and and fun things like that that we. Oh here man, no, you're 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 not kidding. There's so many soapboxes. Uh, like you were saying that too, with with the brewery selling um, alternatives for people to drink. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's only money to be made for them. They are yeah. losing out on. Like, it's not going to sit in there and not sell. So mm-hmm. if you have the opportunity to, please do so. Um, and then also at the uh, festivals, the big uh, beer tasting festivals, having gluten-free beer is still beer. And there's a yes. crap ton of brewers doing it. What I'm learning is my very limited Texas goggles on is that I thought there wasn't <laughs> a lot of people doing it. But after being in the Pacific Northwest and Australia, and there's a so many cool options um and the only time and granted i haven't gone to a beer festival in a few years but the only time i've seen gluten-free beer at a beer festival it was like omission and they were like sponsoring it and you had to like be sequestered off you couldn't even be with other people and you could only drink omission by yourself in this shitty corner and it's like Uh, shitty gluten-free beer anyways it's no that is though i would rather have like corner (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, uh, some craft or independent brewers. There's some cool people. There, like yeah. little McMinnville out here, rural Oregon. There's a gluten-free brewery like ten minutes from me out here. Like, come on. Yeah, honestly, so that's my soapbox. Okay. <laughs> with the rise of gluten intolerance, I'm surprised that you don't see a, a rise in the number of gluten-free options at beer festivals. I okay, so I think there's. You a... know, it's not your territory. Well, <laughs> see, and I, I think. Okay, this is my own stupid little soapbox. I'll go on it with that. I think it's it's twofold. It's one, if you're working at a brewery, you're probably not worried about gluten free. Uh, that is my my one like if right. if missed opportunity oh, in my perspective. Absolutely missed opportunity. But I will I will say as a um I, I want to say as a stupid guy, okay? Because I think a lot of a lot of people that work at breweries are men. And they get there's a hyper focused hyper focusedness that comes on. Oh, we got to make the beer, mm-hmm. and it it's a we got to make the beer. And oh yeah, there's sometimes. But uh, but if you're coming to that brewery, you're probably not as most people with gluten allergens have probably not gonna even like be go. There. Yeah. Yeah. So, and here's the thing too, is I'm, I'm no spring chicken. I've worked in the service Mm -hmm. industry for a really long time. And I know there's an absolute attitude in chefs and brewers Mm -hmm. that are like, fuck that. Not my problem. Oh, I'm sorry. Can we say that? (laughs) Um, I'm not, I'm not worried. I don't even want you here. If you can't have it, I don't even want you here, which I get that. I respect that. That's your establishment. If that's your MO. Fine, I, w- I won't go then, but mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to make money off of me, please give me an option. Yes. I'm not trying to excuse. I'm. Uh, it's more of a, as, as a stupid male myself, I understand the... Mm. Uh, what's it called? The hyper-focusedness. Tunnel, yeah. tunnel vision. Thank you. There's a better word. Thank you, Laura. I'm so, oh, you're helping me out. Yes, you're tunnel vision. You're hyper-focusing hyper-focus. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yes, I, I see that... W- how that happens. I think that there is a market being missed Mm -hmm. because of that tunnel vision. Thank you, Laura. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I, I've got, um, I lived with a roommate that did not know he had a gluten that he was near celiac or something like Mm -hmm. that. I don't know if he's just, I, I don't know what he had, but I do know that after a lot of tortillas, we had a very not fun night at his 
he was we were in bunk mates and uh. I was on the top. Not fun. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Oh, when I was like going through this journey of figuring out these are things I couldn't put in my body, I was roommates and shared a bathroom with Teeny, so you know. <laughs> oh. And I still love her. And see that's yeah. <laughs> that's true friendship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's forever friendship. I love you, BB. <laughs> so what are some of the things that I guess this is for both of you what are some of the things that you wish the beer community could learn from the wine community and that the wine community could learn from the beer community oh that's a really good question it is a good question I don't know if I've thought of that before um I I don't know. Do you know something right off the top of your head, Teeny? Well, the only thing that I can really think of right now is that, like, uh, vintners and wineries are really great. at. They have something that they do really well. One or two things that they do really, really mm-hmm. well that bring people in, and then they experiment outside of that. Mm-hmm. I feel, especially after my education with the Cicerone program and BJCP that craft American craft beer specifically has gone a little bit off the rails. Mm. And while I am all for experimentation and Mm. innovation, there are so many breweries in DFW right now that are not making beers that I like, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. And they're not like, um, the craft beer scene when I first got into it was a lot about education. Here's where mm-hmm. beer comes from. And now I go to a beer bar and I can't find one like quote unquote historical style, like not even historical style. I can't find like one like Vienna lager. I can't find <laughs> one English bitter, ESPs you know, all of, like all yeah. of the roots of brewing have mm. kind of been cast aside for novelty. Mm. And uh, I mean, I just feel like a lot of breweries don't do one thing well and they're missing out on that educational piece of new consumers being like, hey, here's where beer came from. Mm. So I feel like the wine industry and the wine scene is really, really good about touching on its roots, uh, speaking from its roots, and making sure that people know like what it is they do and where it came from. Mm. So that that would be my one thing. That's like a modern day issue that we have but that's really cool well i would say um probably a takeaway that um wine could embrace from beer would be accessibility and mm. um affordability and, and 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 i'm here working in like a um you know like a high-end wine region i get it i get that there's costs associated with vineyard management mm. and uh labor and handling the fruit gently and um, all that good stuff, but yeah. um, there's got to be some sort of middle of the road between like, I don't know, your St. Genevieve or like Gallo and your, you know, 50 or $60 bottle of wine. Yeah. Because um, that's another thing when we go out with friends, you mm-hmm. know, Teeny can, can get a great beer for four, <clears throat> four bucks and I minimum am paying $15 to have a glass of wine when I'm going out with friends. So, yeah. and it's just very... I love wine, but it's very cost-inhibitive. And if you're not, um, you know, of, of a certain, like, socioeconomic status, like, it may not mm-hmm. be, like, a joy and, like, you ever really get to take part in. Uh, so. Yeah, you were so right. You know, because I, uh, uh, I thought about these questions all of maybe two hours before you guys got here. So I've had a whole lot of time to think about this. <laughs> I was actually, I was holding uh, my youngest, Madison. She had woken up. 
and I was trying to rock her back to sleep and I'm like, okay, I can multitask here. So I was like rocking Aww. child and like typing with my thumb these questions. And, um, <laughs> and so um, one of the things that uh, as I was typing and getting this question together, I was thinking about um, one thing I wish the, I hope the beer community takes away from the wine community is there was a recognition, I think probably, I, I mean, I don't know when, but there's a recognition of the wine guy, you know, the, uh, the wine guy persona, meaning the guy that like has the nose turned up. And I've literally seen mm. a guy turn up his nose to a bottle of wine before. Mm. Oh, that okay. was, it was <laughs> really fun. I was served him. It was so much fun. Um, but <laughs> there is this, uh, stigma that comes around wine of it being a snooty at times. And like, it's supposed yeah. to be fancy and that beer is elevated. So, yes. Elevated. Um, and I think that there's, because um, when I started to get into wine and get into beer, I found that there were a lot of people trying to say, I'm not the wine guy. I'm just an average guy that wants to explain wine and that wants to mm. help you learn mm -hmm. and not be a snob yeah. about it. And I well, hope... Then... Huh? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was saying, I hope that the, the beer community doesn't, you know, we already hear the beard nerd jo uh, jokes that come out. I hope the beard community recognizes that that happened in the wine world and that doesn't help in making uh, the beverage more accessible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I would say just from like um, Teeny's experience as a woman journalist, beer journalist. <laughs> yeah, there's a yeah, lot of uh, for sure. there's... people trying to put up barriers. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, I'm not looking to go on a feminist soapbox here, but it well, when I first we're started all standing on a box. Yeah, yeah right. Look, 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 look. I <laughs> stand on your feminist soapbox. I will stand with you in this, okay? <laughs> well, so it was kind of twofold when Please. I, as I mentioned earlier, started covering beer at the Dallas Morning News because I thought it was a real and serious mm -hmm. industry. I also thought it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it, which is why mm -hmm. I wanted to do it because I can apparently only do things that I'm passionate about. Um, mm -hmm. But when I started doing that externally, mm -hmm. with you know sources and people in the beer community, mm -hmm. it was all it was a little bit like talking down to this little girl in beer who thinks she knows is? my sh yeah who oh. thinks and I mean there's definitely a difference between educating and being oh. like hey I'd love to show you what a hop is versus like you know, being, yes, being talked down to. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Being talked down to. Um, yeah. so I got that a little bit externally, but I also got it internally at my company because mm. everybody was looking at me. I was in my early twenties and, mm. um, people were just like, Oh, I'm from this legacy media organization. I know what capital J journalism is. You're covering beer. Oh, that's just your excuse to get drunk, you know? And so I, I felt like I kind of oh. had to fight it on two sides because outside, no one took me seriously as a 20 something, just dipping my foot into covering beer mm -hmm. and being a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and then internally people didn't take me seriously because I was a young gun covering something that they didn't feel was important. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was definitely a huge learning curve and it took me years. It took me probably wow. two, three years to build my reputation externally. And I would say probably even a little bit longer to build it internally. Wow. Yeah. And man, look at you now. Like uh, people within like the beverage industry know to reach out to you when they have any juicy tidbit about anything. Like you're the go-to person. Yeah. People, like contact. That's so cool. Yeah, it's really rewarding. Very nice. Now that Very I can look fun. back. I'm so proud of you. Oh. I'm so proud of you, baby. 
Laura and I haven't seen each other in two weeks, so we're getting like a little emotional. <laughs> okay, can I, can I, I've also got to confess this. You two are the most fun podcast about beer and wine, or just like about <laughs> like beer slash wine slash. Uh, I have one thing I can't stand is that um, that I didn't want my podcast to be mm-hmm. was two guys drinking a beer and talking about like how the beer tastes and then about like football or then about like everything else happening in their lives <laughs> mm-hmm. because there's too many of those and they're yeah. chat casts. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, look, I, I get that. Like you're having a great time following said football. T- I don't follow American football mm. for one. Today was the first Sunday of the American season, football. man. I the love cow- how you qualify that. Yeah. Well, cause I'm, I'm a huge like MLS and, okay. and mm-hmm. a Liverpool mm-hmm. fan. Well, for, Anyone who I don't know when this podcast comes out, but the Cowboys just crushed the Giants in the season opener. Okay, so again, Ooh, my <laughs> so my family being my mom's my mom and all of her family are from West Texas, like Podunk, West Texas. Mm-hmm. Like my grandfather was a Church of Christ preacher. Oh wow! You know, going town to town to town and things like that. So I've been out to Podunk. My aunt used to live in a city called Farwell. Okay, mm-hmm. which literally she didn't have an address. She was like, well, you go to the Mexican radio, preaching radio station, take a left, and there's my house. I grew up as a Cowboy fan, and so I know football, but all my knowledge stopped at, like, 1996. Okay. When I, like, got into ah. high school and, like, realized there's this thing called punk rock. And oh, then nice. I was like, okay, no, I like, like football's cool and all great, but, like, I like punk. <laughs> <laughs> like, I learned to play guitar, and, like, football just, like, was yeah. was done after I don't that. know how you'll feel about this then. I just, I went to a marketing conference in Cleveland last week, and Henry mm-hmm. Rollins was one of the keynote speakers. Oh, he's a great guy. Yeah. yeah, he is very intense. Super intense. Very intense. <laughs> yes. Yes. Have you seen him, any of, like, footage of when he performs? No, I'm actually not a black fat flag fan um well the intensity the he will stomp around and smack his head yeah he gave this really impassioned speech about how if you have a voice and you're creating content you should fucking have ethics too and he just stomped around the stage talking about you know to a group of marketers about how they need to have a moral backbone behind every single thing that Mm -hmm. they did i was like hell yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Into that's, <laughs> that is my football spiel. So I know the Cowboys up to 96 when they traded, uh, when they traded off for Deion Sanders and mm. that's literally where my football knowledge stops. All right. Well, that was a good year. Yeah. It was a good year. It was until they got Sanders and they got that first Super Bowl, And then after that, it was downhill. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's as much football knowledge as I have. And uh-huh. that's as much chat cast as I get, but I didn't want my podcast <laughs> to be that. And I wanted it to be a, a starting point that if you know nothing about beer, here's a good spot to go to. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I like about your podcast, both of you is the, um, the approachability is so easy. Um, it's Thank so you. much fun to listen to you two. And I, I keep telling my wife, I'm like, look, babe, you need to listen to this one. Like, mm-hmm. I, I always send her podcast episodes of things, you know, oh, I listen to this or I listen to that. And I'm like, oh, but you really do need to listen to the Grapes and Grain podcast because they're they're really fun. Yeah, well, that was one of our things when we sat down and we decided we wanted to make a podcast. Um, one of our things was like, we need to be authentic to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Laura and I do mm-hmm. not consider our, ourselves the experts, necessarily Mm -hmm. you know and so that was one of our fears going into it was like 
you know, especially as a journalist, I get so much feedback, especially in the beginning years of my beer writing career Mm -hmm. of like, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. We knew (laughs) that we didn't want to do anything that we didn't know what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. So that's why we really framed it as a come with us on our educational journey because we're learning things along the way too. We don't already have this knowledge. That's the whole point of doing our studies and our certifications. And we feel like more people should um, get into it based on that, Absolutely. based on their cur- and, curiosity, not their expertise. Yeah. Totally. And another thing we did not want to be was just a podcast where we sat around drinking something that the listener didn't have in their hands, sharing our opinion about it. We wanted mm-hmm. it to be a meaningful experience and a meaningful experience of our listeners' time. And we wanted our listeners to walk away from every episode being like, wow, I definitely learned something and I mm-hmm. can apply that in my conversation at a party or like in the office or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's been so much fun to listen to you too. And, um, it, how do I put this? A lot of your podcasts are, Hey, let's take a vocabulary word from wine world, beer world, or even some, something from each world mm-hmm. and explain it and break it down. And it's very approachable and it's very, um, I don't want to say easy to consume as in a, like it's childish. It's easy to consume is that you learn it very well. For sure. And yeah. thank you so much. Thank that you. is like in my writing, that's what I've always had to do because you know, there are different in journalism. You're always focused on, okay, who is your audience mm-hmm. in the beer world is a niche audience out of our entire world. And when yeah. I first started uh, my first full-time job at the Dallas morning news, I was managing niche community blogs, one of Mm. which was craft beer and cocktails. And, Mm. um, the other two were great, but it it was leveraging local industry personalities. Um, Mm. Michael Petacolis, Kevin Carr of community beer company, both of them wrote for me because it was about their expertise Mm -hmm. for that niche audience. That's super impassioned. But when I got back into the entertainment spirit in general, Mm. we decided to widen the focus. I knew that the one tenth of the people who might be reading that story would be in that community and know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So I would always have to write out India pale ale on first reference yes. and really frame my stories for those beginners who might be finding it because that was the vast majority. But I also didn't want to like, it wasn't dumbing down the content by any means. No, no, no. It's not dumbing down. It's but providing a gateway. Yeah. yeah provi- providing yeah. a gateway that's understandable. Yeah. So thank you for that compliment. Well, and, and, and <laughs> something I do, um, I was interviewing Paul of Illicit Ales. He's got his own spiel. He's won a bunch of awards. And we were talking and he's, you know, we're, we're going back and forth about uh, fermentation this or this. And we hit upon uh, like gravity, the word gravity. Mm. And I was like, okay, hold on. Paul, I need to explain what gravity is. Yes. And we stopped and talked about <laughs> gravity and we went blah, blah, blah. And for people that don't know, we're not talking about like, you know, the apple falling off the tree thing. It's the amount of sugar, the amount of stuff in a liquid. Correct. And so yeah. it's a brewing term. It's a fermenting term. It is um, something that uh, both you, both you two are very familiar with. Um, but I would stop him at all these little points mm-hmm. and go, wait, wait, explain that term because that's really what I want this to be where someone can yeah. listen to it and not, it's not a dumbing down. It's a going, wait, wait, I don't know what a quote bomb is when you talk about a mm-hmm. vanilla bomb, meaning like it's something that's huge flavor of vanilla. Okay. Got it. Let's mm-hmm. keep on going. Yeah. Well, and some things that it's like, it's not only just like making it uh, digestible, it's also connecting the dots of how it connects, uh, like how it uh, pertains to every consumer. So gravity, mm-hmm. if you're not a home brewer, you might not know that term, but you're certainly looking at the alcohol content that yep. you're drinking. Mm-hmm. And those two things are directly correlated. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. definitely. And also, too, I love um, that both of our shows and um, all shows like this is like a, a Beekman's World or like Bill Nye the Science Guy. It's like not World. everyone's in a community that <laughs> uh, they can work mm. at a wine bar or work at yeah. a winery or, you know, do... Um, and so if you're really passionate about these hobbies, having content and um, um, just programming out there mm-hmm. for, um, I don't know, that people can be included in all of this. It's such great yeah. fun and what a cool industry. And there's so much history in it and so mm-hmm. much culture in it. Like everyone who wants to be a part of it should be able to do it. So I think that's why it was so important for us to make it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we are coming up to kind of the close and this makes me super sad because <laughs> I'm enjoying this so much and we didn't even talk about what we're drinking. I'm so sorry. That's how you two open yes, up the top of your, we were gonna do that. oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. And we, we were, I'm like, I'm double fisting right now. Two different types of Yeah, me beers. too. Cause you're serving me. So, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, you guys in uh, Texas. What you drinking? Oh, wow. I have to be part of the what you drinking. This makes me so happy. Yeah, Al, what you drinking? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to, so we got two bottles here. So I'll, I'll um, the two that I pulled out. So I started off with, uh, so there's a brewery in Orange County called the Brewery, B R U E R Y. And brew is um, part of their last name of the head brewer. And so we're drinking a Vindictive number two. Um, and I'm going to go back to the other beer then to explain Vindictive number two. So they make a beer called Black Tuesday, mm-hmm. which was named after a stout that they wanted to make that went horribly wrong and that they only recovered about a third of the total output because <sighs> someone hooked up the wrong hose to the end to the out oh, no. and sprayed a lot of beer on the floor. So they had to do what they could to save it. And mm-hmm. so it was such a bad day. They called it Black Tuesday and it, uh, it normally ranks in at about 18%. This year's will probably get to about 19.98. Wow. Yeah, it's a big Super one. high gravity for anyone yes, who's listening. Yes, it is very high gravity beer. <laughs> um, and so I am drinking one. We're having this Black Tuesday Stout. It's a very big imperial Ooh. bourbon stout mm-hmm. that's been aged Yummy, in yeah. red wine barrels. Um, and that one is... It's super luscious. It is. It's it got is. a full body. It's got a really malty characteristics up front, but then on the end, it sort of like all the fruit and the wood come mm-hmm. clamoring in. Yeah. It really, really lingers. And it also like the, those things like uh, they add like a fruity aftertaste almost, but yes. I don't, it, there's no fruit in there, right? No, it's no. all red wine. Yeah. it Red wine barrel. Yeah. Okay, so that is all the barrel that I'm tasting. It's very, Ooh. it's almost jammy, it's Laura. Juicy and red. Yeah, yes. it's almost jammy. It, it is like kind of like the best of like take like a just a blend, a red blend, like your favorite red blend, and then mm-hmm. stick a very big imperial stout next to it, and then like drink the imperial stout but be smelling the red wine. Yeah, I'm not getting okay. you know imperial stouts are known for right. their chocolatey, roasty characters, and no, all I'm and getting, getting on this on is this. fruit, blackberries, this, cherries. This is also, vibe. I believe, a year or two aged bottle. Um, Ooh, I'm fancy. really, I'm real, uh, 20 dug into the cellar for this episode. Seriously, I'm wow, very patient. Thank you. Yeah. I am so flattered. <laughs> No. Thank you for pulling from the cellar for us. No, absolutely. I can't read it. It's laser etch. 18. Okay, so it's only a year. But still, that amount of uh, self-control is admirable. I, I've got a couple of verticals. I cannot wait to open up. <laughs> um, in fact, I've got a bottle of Black Tuesday for 
Charlotte, my three-year-old, mm-hmm. that I have marked for her twenty-first. Oh, nice! Because it's like nineteen percent, and then this year when Black Tuesday come out, I'm gonna buy one for <gasps> Madison Your for her twenty-first. Yes. That's so, so sweet. Granted, they're not for them. I'm going to drink them. No, of course. As a celebration yeah. of like they made it to twenty-one. <laughs> well, if they want like, maybe to, you'll share some. Maybe yeah. I'll share some. Yeah. Um, so talking of Black Tuesday, then there's Vindictive. And this is the one that is the wild card. This threw me for a... Wild used not ironically here. It definitely tastes like (laughs) a little bit tart and tannic and sour. And this one is Black Tuesday with Zinfandel grape must added. With must. Must. Yes, and aged in new American oak punchins, which are punchins, which are literally just, and I know that you two know this, but for people that don't know what this is, it is a piece of new American oak, so straight up oak that's been baked to cure it and to sanitize it. Okay. And then they'll normally drill holes in it so that there's more contact with the beer. So that this way there's more surface area, I should say, so that you get more oaky flavor from it. So they'll throw that in whatever they're aging the beer in. Oh, okay. I did not know what that meant. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, so I was like, oh, it sounds like maybe they punched a hole in something and threw it in the fermentation Pretty much, that's what they did. They took a piece of oak and were like, pop, 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 and then throw it in. They're like, okay, there you go. You now have oaky flavor. Gotcha. And this looks much more like a wine than a beer. Yeah, that's one. Well, I was going to say, can we also take a moment to just define must? In that it is uh, yes. like wine. It is um, wine that is still on, like it's crushed, fresh juice that's still on contact with like the skins, the mm-hmm. seeds, the stems, the fruit, everything. So yes. I was really curious if um, that beer was pretty tannic because if it was um, mixed with or aged with the seeds and skins and stuff, I wondered if that would impart much. Yes, in a so, word, yes. So tannic. And please explain what tannic is for anybody that does not know. Yes, absolutely. Tannins are a um, structure or a compound um, within wines that when it creates contact with your mouth, creates a uh, drying or a puckering sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Teeny, what else am I missing from our vocabulary episode? I mean, it's like it's almost bitter. It's like you tannins need to be in balance mm-hmm. so a mm-hmm. wine without tannins might be flabby and then a wine with too much tannins um might be like Ripping. super gripping. i cannot yeah. have enough Stringent. tannins yeah you can't oh i love this didn't have enough for you oh, oh i can i can yes. give you okay. some more i Oof. give me give Oof. me a, a give me a hot climate zin a big, bold, hot climate Zin or just like a very huge cab, like a French cab. I was that's like, I been... have a rural oh. Italian red for you. Oh, amen. I will. Oh. <laughs> oh. All right. All right. So Laura Rowe in uh, Oregon, what you drinking? Well, you guys, for you today, <laughs> um, since I am at Lemelson Vineyards, I don't even think I mentioned where I'm working at uh, this vintage is Lemelson Vineyards, mm-hmm. which I'm super duper pumped about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a vineyard since the mid-90s, uh, excuse me, a winery since the mid-90s, mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of neat for a couple reasons. Uh, I picked this one. It's a little bit unique. Um, the owner, Eric Lemelson, mm-hmm. is an environmental lawyer. So the entire facility is not, um, they don't take use of electric pumps, which there's a lot of use in that in winemaking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a three-story gravity flow building. So mm. fresh fruit comes yeah. in on the third floor and it um, travels gravity down 
um, through the fermentation rooms and then into the barrel rooms in the basement, um, which is super cool. That is super cool. And so, like, they don't, like, use machines to pump that juice. They just... Yeah, yeah. All the electricity is gentler <gasps> on the fruit. Um, oh. Pinot Noir, especially the style, you don't want a lot of um, extraction like you got out of your beer. Oh, my <laughs> so, God. So um, thoughtful. So you want to be very gentle with it. Mm. Um, as well as um, they're just like really clever here because Eric Lemelson's father was a American inventor, like prolific American inventor. Mm. I learned after being here, he holds the second for I mean for many years. I'm not sure if he still does, but for a long time, held the se- held the second number of patents, like Thomas wow. Edison. Mm. So um, I mean, invented like videotape recorders and like uh, Hot Wheels tracks. And, Whoa! I mean, like, Hot Wheels tracks. So many things. Beanie hats. This guy has credit for. Shut Anyways, up. So he like he trademarked the beanie. This... Yes, it's like his thing. <laughs> oh no, no, no! The be- the sorry, the propeller hat. Oh, <laughs> the propeller hat. Yeah. Oh, okay. My dad. That's even I'm going to have to tell my dad that, and he is going yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, it's a very um, technologically savvy and environmentally conscious winery, which is why I chose it. Um, today I'm drinking two different wines from them. The first is a Pinot Gris. I chose a Pinot Gris because it is very um, representative of Oregon. Mm-hmm. It uh, grows really well here and was one of the first great varieties to become quite popular. Gotcha. Um, theirs is done in um, neutral French oak barrels as okay. well as stainless steel tanks. So okay. it's pretty balanced. Very nice. Um, a lot of pear blossom, mm. um, a lot of nectarine, um, apple, melon. Um, and a decent amount of acidity because it is a cooler region. Gotcha. And then the second wine I have from them is a Pinot Noir because oh. that's also what Willamette Valley, where I am at, Absolutely. is known for. Absolutely. Um, and uh, the one I have is Thea's Selection. Um, mm. It is from 2016, uh, which had a moderate summer and some spikes in heat. So it is a uh, – Slightly warmer than usual wine uh, mm. for this winery, but still really beautiful and balanced. Very so nice. that's what I got today. Sounds delectable. <sighs> yeah. So you said my... pear blossom, and I was like, "All right, I'm in." Yeah. No. Um, oh, so I'm my wa- right now. you know I love some white wine. So my wife cannot do Pinot Noir. She likes them. But for whatever reason, Pinot Noir gives her the worst <gasps> stomach aches and headaches. Oh, no. They don't like her back. That's really sad. And I know I, exactly how she feels. And yeah, I just feel so bad because when, well, because for one, I mean, it's a whole varietal that she just doesn't enjoy. She'll take a sip, but she doesn't enjoy. It. And then whenever right. we get it in our shipment, because they make one Pinot Noir, uh. I'm like, oh, no, I guess I have to drink this whole bottle of wine. I'm so oh, sorry, no. babe. And she's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you just go take that bottle of wine away. Go. Well, isn't what oh, it, also hurt? Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, would it hurt her belly if you, like, made jelly out of it or made, like, a roast with we're, it or something? No, we're not making a jelly. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. No, she gets it. She can have as many sips as she wants. Is she around? Okay, because she knows I would say this. She can get as many sips as she wants, but, like, I'm, I'm having that bottle. Like, that, that's happening. Like, I'm drinking that wine. Well, it, like, double sucks for her because a lot of, like, house wines are also Pinot Noir. It's a very, like, yes. middle-of-the-road style that's affordable that bars can still mark up 300% but sell oh, for, that like... Oh, 300%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. they can still sell it at a decent price and it's pretty palatable. I don't know. Oh, I'm, I feel for her. I know. I, I, I feel for her until I get the bottle. And then I'm like, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry, babe. I feel happy for me oh, now. Sorry. Sorry about you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, um, 
thank you too so so very much for no, coming on this you. podcast it has been well, a delight you, and a joy to have you two on it has been so much fun <laughs> you too man <laughs> Um, oh man, it's been our pleasure. Thank you so, so much for thinking of us. Oh no, I, I'm so excited. You, uh, the, when I was getting ready for season two, it was like, okay, I'm just gonna send an email and just see what happens. And so when yeah, I got a, a, totally. a reply back, I was like, yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> um, Dude, we're we totally feel you, and and we are very. I think we can both appreciate um, when you're in it for the education aspect. Mm-hmm. The more we get out there, the more we spread our name. Like if you're mm-hmm. listening now, share it with a friend. Share each of yeah. us with a friend, and just um, that's how people learn. And and it's, the craft is better for it. Like the more mm-hmm. people are passionate in it, the more the water rises, and we're all better for it. So yeah, please. the fewer Miller Lights that people drink, the better the the craft beer <laughs> scene is going to be. The, the few. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, I want to give the last couple of minutes of the podcast to you two. What do you uh, want to promote? What do you are you excited about? Um, please, the, the mic, the rest of the show is yours. Sure. So I mentioned earlier that I'm going to be going to Germany in the Czech Republic. Laura's obviously at a winery. We have a couple episodes coming mm-hmm. out that we'll talk really in depth of both about what it's like to be part of a, a wine vintage season that and is so fun. a lot about uh, the brewing roots over in, you know, uh, Northern Europe. So mm. uh, we have that to look forward to. And then we will be getting collecting a whole bunch of audio from those experiences mm-hmm. and wrapping them in season three. Also, um, this November at the Dallas Morning News, we will be hosting a North Texas Beer Week event. So, so cool. It, it will be, I love North Texas Beer Week. Yeah. It has been so many years my passion project, and this year I'll actually get to host an event. It is yes. for subscribers to the Dallas Morning News only, though. So okay. you should go online, dallasnews.com slash subscribe, and support your local journalism market, support um, you know independent journalism, support democracy, and then also come have a free beer that sounds yes. so okay I, I will be yes. talking to my wife about subscriptions later yeah, on. <laughs> please do yeah that's a good one that's worth it um mm-hmm. also the state fair is coming up so if you subscribe at the state fair they give you like a few sheets of free tickets that you can go spend on beer as well oh. so you i know, didn't even know that, that. <laughs> yeah that's where i'm subscribed to the paper oh that's um, i have a little announcement to please. make as well um, if any listeners out there can get their hands on in the upcoming year, Rusden Winery from the Barossa Valley 2019 Vintage mm-hmm. or Limelson Winery, excuse me, Limelson Vineyards mm-hmm. from Willamette Valley in Oregon 2019 Vintage, please get your hands on them and drink them up. Like, um, I'm part of that terroir. I help uh. make those wines. So, um, neat. You're part <laughs> of the fabric of that it. flavor. <laughs> Yeah, so please, I'm really excited about that. So please, if you um, see that out in the wild, have a sip. Yeah. Can you send me a link to the vineyard so I can put that into the show notes? Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. Plus, I also want to go look for the wine now and like put a couple bottles in our little cellar. So, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I can also put some like a great pro tips of like places to go in Oregon too, vineyards around here. Please. And then, yeah, if you're looking for us anywhere on social media, you Mm -hmm. can find us grapes and grain podcast, pretty much everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and we're available wherever you get your podcast. So come join us for, you know, we like to say every happy or every hour with grapes and grain is a happy hour. (laughs) Absolutely. And, uh, meet us at a real life happy hour by, uh, contributing on patreon oh yeah after every season we <laughs> host a, a happy hour for our patreon donors so 
Yeah, I was, I, you don't know how close I was. I was, so (laughs) I, I heard, I saw that party going on and then it was, my wife and I were at this moment of like 15 huge bills came by and we were like, like, okay, I really want to. You need the right choice. I I just, it it was just one of those moments where I was like, I'm so, and then I could even, then something came up and I couldn't even make it. I was like, dad, blast her. You guys, you guys are parents. You have to make the responsible choices. Responsible (laughs) choices are not the fun choices. Let me tell you. Sometimes they can be though. I mean, they they can be, be, but. I mean, not not that I don't love my children, um, but that they have game. definitely it's a restricted game. It'll pay my. Out in the long run. Yes, long run. Well, I'm planning on as soon as they can drive like DDs. I mean, come on. That's the whole reason you had them, right? I mean, Bill ben. Bill I mean, ben. I'm definitely gonna have some fun with that later on. Like, That's I'm just amazing. gonna start calling them Uber and Lyft. Like, like you are Uber, great. you are yeah. Lyft. You're Uber. Uber, are you busy? Well, great, Lyft. Guess what? Oh my come God. Along. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yes. Well, thank you two so, so very much. I I have just had such a great time with both of you. Yeah, you too. Laura, it is, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. Keep it up. Um, I Best of luck on all of the many things that you're doing and the endless summer that you are pursuing and hopping, you know, hopping the, uh, what was hemispheres. it? Hemispheres. Hemispheres. Thank you very much. Yes. Hemisphere hopping. Yeah. Hemisphere that's, hopping. That's it. Teeny, thank you so very much for coming on. I really appreciate you making the drive all the way up from wherever DFW, Dallas, not Fort Worth that you were coming from <laughs> having to, you know, uh, what is it? Um, cross 183, which is like, I think that's like yeah. the, there's DFW airport. Like you mm-hmm. have to really have something to like on your mind to, to cross. Do. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I realized Haltom city is so far is cause this is you in you list is where my BJCP classes. And I'm always like, I'm not there yet. Like yeah. what is taking so long? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. I get <laughs> Story that. Story of Texas road trip. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So awesome. Well, cheers to you. Thanks cheers. for having us. Thank you so very much. Cheers guys. Cheers. Right.